Introducing ADT Self Setup, featuring everything from motion sensors to Google Nest Cams. It can be easily installed at your convenience and adapts as your needs change. You can add more products at any time and your system easily moves wherever life takes you. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. When the most trusted name in home security adds the intelligence of Google, you've got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. Your ears do not deceive you. You are listening to the inaugural episode of the E-League Report, the best damn eSports show you'll listen to this week. I'm Brian, he's seven, and we're coming at you live from what appears to be a janitor's closet somewhere in the E-League studios. It definitely explains why we're T-posing in here, T-posing. masquerading, masquerading as uh, oh, mannequins. You said aspirating. <laughs> what are we aspirating on? I don't, I don't know what's going on with you, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> no one, No one seems to. No one seems to. Uh, yeah, so we're going to kick off this maiden voyage uh, with Epic and Blizzard showing us two very different versions of how to do <laughs> tournaments. Uh, this past weekend, we also got the chance to head down to Atlanta to see the debut, both of the game and the eSport of Call of Duty Black Ops 4. Um, we are going to start off with Seven's favorite organization, but actually we're going to start off with uh, why the hell this is not the show you thought you tuned in for. Or maybe it is, and you're in the know, but I doubt that highly. I, my first question is why I have a candle... <laughs> on the table here set in now, the so, mood so we normally have we've historically recorded apart until maybe like last show and then we saw what happened there well we you heard what happened there yes which was the audio train wreck the well no there was that there was also the the dolly parton bomb which i have to throw in there that our producer jules just got trying to mock us accidentally set off her own uh echo device she and dolly, she dolly parton bombed herself but that aside uh We've got the the candle here. Yeah. It's the smoke lavender and leather smelling candle. You know, it, it's, I'm trying to be both <laughs> soft but manly. <laughs> I don't I don't know if I'm safe in this room. You are though. Luckily, I left the door open so that you would feel like you know I was welcoming you into my humble podcast dungeon. All right. Well, we've already got off on the wrong. Uh, well, I mean, this can this, to be fair, here. this candle smells far better than. Uh, the turpentine in the corner of this janitor's closet. So. <laughs> All right. We should probably get to a show. <laughs> yes. So this is the first episode ever of the E-League Report, E-League's new twice-weekly eSports podcast. So a uh, huge thanks to our friends at E-League for finally claiming us. We, we have been off on an island, and they have uh, sent a raft, and we have swam back to shore. Yeah. I mean, it's it's good to be recognized in some way, shape, or form. Um I mean, maybe one day we'll get out of the closet, out of out of the E-League studio know, closet. But, you know, baby steps. The baby funny steps. part is people actually thought, like, we were joking. We were like, no, no, we, we, were, we were recording from a closet. And we did record from a closet. Although this last time, we got vipped. We, <laughs> we got to hang out in the room with actual TVs and light. And Cheez-Its. And Cheez-Its for free. And Cheez-Its. See, we are part of that Cheez-It groove. Uh, so you can check out this show every Monday and Thursday via all the normal channels the new website eleaguereport.com definitely check that out that'll have all the links for subscriptions and what's not our social channels are now updated so we're at eleague report sorry no eleague podcast on twitter and the instagrams and then our discord channel if you would like to join that is discord.eleaguereport.com look at you we're almost we almost haven't figured out where we live everywhere yep yep we are uh yeah, you know do show we're here we're doing things 
Yeah, setting setting that bar real setting low. Setting that bar real, real low. It only gets better from here, so tune in for the journey. Let's get started. So let's talk about your favorite organization, Cloud9. They have raised $50 million in Series B funding. Uh, rumor is they're going to build apparently one hell of a training facility. But this is one in many VC investments into esports. But the most important part of this and the most interesting part to me is that Cloud9 also gets listed on Forbes' next billion-dollar companies list for 2018 based on this funding round. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm t- I was trying to figure that out as well. That was the first thing that hit me. When we, I saw this in the the show notes, and when I first saw that they raised fifty million, I was like, "That's pretty impressive." Because we've seen probably what about a hundred ish plus million already investment that we can count just off the top of our heads between like TSM and uh, I think Splice also had some money thrown out. Yeah, this year. Watch Toronto um, Immortals a little longer back back in twenty seventeen. But yeah, there's been a ton of money in the last let's call it eighteen months flying around esports from a VC perspective. Yeah, but not a ton of revenue coming in, which is the well, total imbalance. Well, it's esports right? right now. It's you know. All about the Benjamins. Well, because uh, we saw uh, Cloud9, I think you, you said they brought in about 20 plus million dollars, like 22 million dollars. 22 million in 2018 so far. Right. So that's all that they've managed to bring in in one year, yet somehow Forbes has them basically the next billion dollar company. I think they're still a ways off there. I think if my math is correct. Uh, just a little bit. I mean, their, their unicorn onesie can't come out of the closet just yet. It is very interesting to me. The, they have the third lowest revenue of all the companies on this list. Now, they're the only esports organization, which I also found interesting given the size of some of the raises we've seen from some of these other organizations. Overwatch Toronto raised $21.5 million. TSM raised $37 million. But they're the only ones that they believe are actually worth potentially a billion dollars. And like you mentioned earlier, $22 million in revenue. Now, that's not profit. That is revenue. It costs a lot of money, surprise, surprise, to run an esports organization. I don't know where in creation they think this is a future billion-dollar company in Cloud9. Um, I would even maybe argue that they're not even the most popular of esports organizations. Like They definitely have other organizations like TSM that give them a run for their money. Optic Gaming is another one. So it's very interesting that they feel like this particular one is worth a billion dollars. Well, so let's look at that $22 million. Like you'd mentioned, that's revenue only. Now, we've heard rumors that buy-in into... The Overwatch League was about $20 million at that time, right? Yes. That was spread across, what, five years, six years? Yeah, it's a five-year payment plan. Okay, so five years tw- at this $20 like a million. payday advance loan, essentially. Right, but still, it's $4 million, So it's $4 million wiped right off the top of that twenty-two. That's just an overhead just to be an Overwatch League. So now they're operating on $18 million. I mean, Jack can roll around in money naked all the time. I'm sure that's perfectly fine, but it's just... <laughs> I, I my, can't my say question, that in the press release for the Rays, though. Right, right. <laughs> Series B contingent on like some kind of like I don't know video release of Jack rolling around. Jack has to money. wax himself first before he rolls around in it, so it's contingent on that. All right. Well, we got the candle lit for him. And I think you took that a little too far. So let's just. But no, seriously, like I to raise that much money now. I understand like raising fifty million based off of the fact you're making twenty two million currently. Sure, I get it. Right. Yep. You you hopefully. Money is just going to keep flowing in. 
You've got you're going to continue to raise up. Although the very first thing they say is like we want to build a giant facility, training facility, and get everybody working under one roof. Doesn't seem like the biggest investment in terms to make a ton of money. Maybe it's helped you logistically in some way, shape, or form. The players will get better, and it'll just rain money from the skies. Right, but Echo Fox has been trying this. Everybody's been trying this, right? <laughs> Echo Fox is trying it, and they're just dumping people left. I mean, and wasn't right. this the whole point of the team house to begin with? Like, what is the? I mean, I get they're saying there's going to be more like athletic style facilities, and we're growing up and whatever. But I just don't see that having that big of a difference to justify a pretty large raise. Now, one thing that is important to mention in a lot of these numbers we're throwing around is we don't know the valuation that they are based on. So the amount of money they raise while dependent on that valuation doesn't actually indicate how much the valuation is, right? You could have two companies raise $22 million each, but at very different valuations. Uh, Clearly, Forbes, at least, believes that this is a future billion-dollar company, but that does not necessarily mean that this raise is a unicorn raise, which is um, at a valuation currently of $1 billion. Maybe Maybe this came out before they actually raise the money they're like you know if we if we raise this you'll get in forbes I'm like all right cool uh, we want to be at forbes but jack right there on the cover <laughs> well for the, mean, if the magazine still existed yeah anyways but no i i think that um they are largely an na brand they're definitely going more global right yep. but they're not going necessarily global under the cloud nine name they are no, in terms of spitfire right but they are not in terms of cloud nine in general and if so, you're coming in from outside of esports and you don't have that that history. Like, there's a lot of people that don't know that the Spitfire are Cloud Nine, right? Right. And now, if you also look at there are other teams uh, or other brands, I guess you could say that are, are struggling. You've got Echo Fox is struggling. Optic Gaming is struggling. And Optic has tried to diversify. They've tried to get into multiple areas. They've yep. tried to get into multiple regions. Uh, we've seen Immortals in the past year jump into the Brazil market, and Latin America market, trying to make money there as well. Mm-hmm. And so, I think they're. For this billion-dollar valuation, they're basing on a company that is largely NA-based. Now, granted, Cloud9 brand is known all over, but they're very heavily invested. Their CSGO team, um, which is one of their big money makers, or was, until they just destroyed everything and Skadoodle left this week. But, Oops. yeah, I, I meant to also throw that in, in the show, like, bye, Skadaddy. I love you. Um, but you just shed a tear. I did. Uh, yeah, two, actually. Um, but, no, really, I think it, it's... It's a lofty goal to have or a lofty number to hit, uh, being that you're only based in North America. I think you got to have a much larger reach to hit that $1 billion. And you have a lot of overhead, right? We're talking about an organization that has a Rocket League team, a League of Legends team, a CSGO team, Hearthstone players, Smash players, a ton of Fortnite teams and players, uh, which we'll talk about here in a moment. Clash Royale, obviously the Spitfire, uh, Rainbow Six Siege, Player Unknown Battleground. That is a lot right. of players to logistically just pay for like it's not even about the fact that they're in all these different games from a diversity standpoint like that you have to pay for those and not all of those are going to make a ton of money um even if they're successful the fgc we've seen this with echo fox right like your players win you make money it's not really that much money in the grand scheme of things by the time you send a player around you know the country to play in an fgc tournament Right, and like I said, they they do have teams, but they're all largely North America. But now, it, it granted, it's a, it, a lot of overhead to have all those different players. But now you can just all put them in the uh, training facility slash motel, whatever it is you're going to do. It's just a um, really expensive team house. It basically, um, I, I understand. Like from an administration standpoint, you've got a, a bunch of people um, trying to work there as well. But I mean, historically, uh, we've even seen teams. I, I think that the the Immortals model is is smart. 
uh, where they're trying to jump into different areas. I, it was a smart move for them to actually take, uh, for Jack to actually take the, the Spitfire team in London. Even though you had people like Fnatic who were based out of London vying heavily for that team, right. but he wanted to get elsewhere. He wanted to get into Build Europe, that brand. which, which, yeah, right, which he doesn't necessarily have outside of NA. And I, I hate to just harp on that, but like that, um, that that's going to be make or break for Cloud Nine in a lot of ways. They need to find a way into European market, um, and you can't if you've already established yourself in NA LCS, you can't be in EU LCS, right? right? You. Uh, you've got to, you could switch your CS:GO team over to European, which could make sense. But then, I mean, the cost versus the benefit there. Well, yeah, and you, I mean, you've already got to. Well, I think maybe now what three players solidified on your starting roster in CS:GO. <laughs> I mean, in all honesty, um, so it's maybe it is time to maybe we'll see them move their CS:GO team to Europe. I don't know, essentially, but it's it just it's a weird thing when I look at this and I'm like, man, the revenue. Uh, to me, it's a weird business model from a VC's perspective because you're really saying like we're not just betting on your ability because you're not just betting on their ability to run a business. You're also betting right. on their ability to eye talent that continually is successful to the point where they're making money. It's not a business like Cloud9 as a brand is not valuable enough without the winnings of their players, not just because obviously the prize money that comes in, but also that's what continues to build their brand and allows them to be successful is the continue winning. If they, for example, do what you said and they pick up and they move, you know, to Europe and the team tanks and the players suck and they don't have the same kind of name recognition, like that has an impact on the business in a very, very different way than a traditional VC backed business. Now, obviously that has not stopped VCs from getting into esports. There's a shortage of that. It's just to me, I'm going to continue to sound the horn that I've been sounding for three years, which is like, let's not believe the hype to the point where we just blindingly look at this and be like, billion-dollar companies, esports has made it. And it's like, right. not if they're losing money, which I guarantee they're not. there's a good chunk of that $22 million that's going into operational costs in the grand scheme of things. Like you said, the $4 million off the top just for the Overwatch League, right? So it'll be very interesting to me to see um, how this shakes out or if we ever see valuations that these are based out on their cap sheets, etc., uh, there's just a lot of indicators here that make me a little, little nervous. Well, yeah, long term. And when you are locked into essentially a largely a, a North American region, you're limiting your sponsors, right? So sponsorship money is, by and large, the the main contributor. I'm assuming more so than winnings. I still don't yep. think winnings really counts a, a huge amount into that 22. It, it it does. I think it does on a player stand like a player to player cost benefit analysis, but maybe not for the entire organization. Like right. You're not going to keep somebody that's costing you. $150,000 in costs over the course of a year that's bringing home like ten grand. Right, right. So I think the, there are definitely things that they have to look at. And as you mentioned, you know, you're, you're as a VC, you're betting on this company, you're betting on this group or this leadership uh, to, to make that money or grow that company, which only tells me that there's, there has to be another plan. It's not to, to continue Cloud9 the way it's going. It's not to continue Cloud9 plus having a training facility. There's another team. There's another league. There's an expansion. There's something. They have to expand their reach. And I, I, don't, I wasn't even thinking about it until today, but in the state that their CSGO team is in, like, why not build elsewhere at this point? Right. There's certainly no shortage of European players that are good if you wanted to build up a European squad. Right, because then you can get European sponsors.
Yep. And you get out and you shed to a certain degree. And, you know, this has obviously been getting better, but you shed the NACSGO troll label, right? Like you are going off to becoming an EU team and you get a different level of respect than you do if you're an NA team in a lot of people's eyes. Maybe you can get matching Virtus Pro jerseys. Or that's what I'm hoping for, you right? Could. You could. That would be kind of awesome. I mean, look like the Joker. <laughs> right. Oh, man. Moving on, let's talk tournaments. So we have two very different stories here about tournaments in game. And we're going to talk first about Epic and what is coming up in patch 6.1 for Fortnite. So this leaked a little bit earlier and has now been officially confirmed by Epic Games that they are going to have in-game tournaments. So this is essentially a tournament mode right within the client. You can go in and play a very familiar format that we have seen Battle Royale take, which is this concept of giving points based on the number of kills as well as a bonus for your placement within the match. And have that basically go on. You basically play as many games as you want. U7 earlier said this felt a lot like Ladder, where it's like, I'm playing, I can play any number of games that I want to, I'm building up an MMR, and then you know whoever has the most points at the end wins. Um, so they're calling these tournaments, even though they lack a little bit of a uh, continuous tournament structure, it is far more like an MMR-based Ladder. But we have the Alpha Tournament, which is kicking off on October 16th through the 21st, which is a solo tournament. We have the beta tournament, which is a duos tournament that kicks off on October 23rd, runs through the 25th, and then we get a Friday Fortnite that is a squad tournament later in October, a Salty Springs Cup, which is another solo, and a Tomato Temple Cup. I love that these sound like Mario Kart tracks. Um, and the Tomato Temple Cup duo uh, also coming in October. So throughout the course of October, we're going to have at least five of these events. This is all being done in-game. Let's start with that point before we get into some of the more format things. What are your thoughts on this happening and Fortnite getting to it so quickly, continuing that streak of just like finding an idea, implementing it very quickly? Well, I think it also helps when you're the person who builds the engine. So you've probably had this in the works for some time. Um, this really, as we had mentioned, we were talking about it before the show, It it is essentially a competitive season and they're running them in like consecutive, like, like time frames, right? Maybe like three days here, a week here, two weeks here. Um, because as you had mentioned, they've, they haven't come out and said there's an MMR based on anything necessarily. Um, but it says, as you perform well, you, you get basically put against other people who are also performing around that same level. So by doing such, um, you're essentially creating your bandings with, uh, of groups of players within, uh, within a, I don't know, not necessarily a league format, but a season format. Yeah, there is some sort of like tiering going on, regardless Correct. of how they're going to do it behind the scenes. Correct. And so I think the fact that they were able to spin that up and spin up these different... I, I'm assuming that on the back end, they essentially have like one sort of algorithm that they're using multiple across the way. Um, but that just tells me that they were thinking about competitive. They were thinking about the... Uh, seasons far ahead of time. This isn't something you just spin up right away. If it is, please call Blizzard. Um, and <laughs> fired. yeah, yeah. Well, there'll be plenty of those. Um, and no, I, I I like the fact that they're doing this. I like the fact that they're experimenting it within different ways. They're not settling on necessarily anything. It still feels like a lot because everything we mentioned basically happens within the course course of like a month and a half. Yeah, I mean the first date is the sixteenth, and I think the Tomato Temple Cup is the last one that wraps up the first of November. So literally, this is what you get for essentially two weeks. I mean it's it's an insane amount of 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 games of and styles and Fortnite. And my other concern um, isn't so much around whether or not how they spun up or at the speed at which they sped it up or 
put it out there, is how much playtime is involved to be competitive in in, in any of these. Like, yep. this is You're burnout just level stuff for like three days straight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in some of these, you you very well could. It depends on how they they maybe if they took maybe your best. I don't even know how they do it. I mean, do they? Right. It's accumulative. Is it uh, based on your best performance for the day or during a time period? Right. Yep. And if and is there going to be? And I haven't read this yet. Is if there's any sort of way to track your progress? I know they had talked about they're going to put like a target amount of points out there. So there has to be some way for you to know what your points are relative right. to this target amount of points that they're going to give pins away for. But I don't know if they're going to go as extreme because that's very different knowing where you are relative to a static point as opposed to knowing where you are relative to everybody else. Because if I'm, you know, think about if you had to grind to legend in Hearthstone, not knowing where you fell on the ranking and you just had to wait till the end of the, of the season and like see where you fell. Well, that also does describe the, uh, the top half of legend. It's just, well, yeah, uh, with but this is basically decay, the yeah. entire format falls into that, right? If you right. don't know where you stand relative, you don't know how long to play. You don't know if you should stop. You don't know if you should play more. Um, they're going to have to figure those things out in the long term. But again, we haven't seen this in action yet, so it's hard to tell whether or not these things are going to be taking place. Yeah, my my assumption is is that, um, I, like I said, we, we, we talked about how it's very much like a season, how you have to hit a specific score, so to speak, um, to get that pin. And that's no different than saying, hey, you have to win five matches in a competitive play to earn a card back, or you've got to, to complete ten competitive matches to get a spray for that season. Right. So it's... They have different thresholds that they want to put in there. My my favorite part of this, though, however, is that they're at, they're taking both groups from or taking all the groups uh, across uh, all different types of consoles and mobile Inputs, and in PC. Format, yeah, so they're, you have to have crossplay enabled, and they're taking all of them and they're throwing them into the same group. So they're all in the same bucket. So the winner is the winner. So if the person wins with the controller, there's no saying like, oh, you know, they they, were all, they only won because they were playing. They're the best console player. Right, but... yeah. So there's no console versus PC fight here. It's like, shut up, everybody wins or everybody, whatever it may be. Right, but there is the inverse of people complaining about the platform they would be forced to play it on, right? Like, I think part of the reason why a lot of people jumped on a set of players that are really good with controllers, for example, is to counteract the immediate narrative which is going to be all the mouse and keyboard players uh i would be blown away though it will make a very cool story maybe someone will pull it off if somebody for example on mobile because mobile is included in this pool ends up placing well and then it'll be like oh did they use the mouse and keyboard hacked on android you know there'll be all that kind of stuff that happening so there is a flip side to this in that yes you can't devalue winning a particular tier if they split them based on the format or the input device but there will be a certain imbalance based on the fact that it is cross-play and people who are playing on mobile devices especially will be at a disadvantage well i and i find it funny because they they start off saying we've been observing the controller performance and we think that these players are really really good so we we know that cross-play is is a totally valid thing yada 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 and then at the very last sentence before they get to schedule uh yeah we'll be continuing to assess this throughout 20 19 and uh <laughs> reserve the right to basically back away from this statement i'm like first off the joke has historically been there are zero there's zero amount of information ever given in anything in anything that epic does and from a, like a blog post like this is about uh this is about 40 sentences longer than their normal five so the fact that they even put this in here like hey we have we might want to backtrack it to me is really really funny but yeah 
whatever, you know. We're starting to get a better idea, though, of why they're taking the approach to third-party tournaments, for example, they have been. So they've set a cap, obviously, of $10,000 for these independent-run tournaments to try to reduce the amount of money available to those. Um, this is one of the things that knocked out some of the ongoing tournaments when they kind of like dipped out and dipped back into esports. So that's very interesting. It's also interesting uh, of note that Friday Fortnite that I mentioned is actually every Friday throughout that period of time through the end of November. Jeez, yeah. And so they're taking that thing that has been a regular Fortnite thing anyway and moving it into this game. Like right. this is where the es- that that hundred thousand or hundred million dollars that they were throwing around when they first made the announcement. How much of that is going to go into this? I imagine at some point everything esports-wise that's official for Epic will be run through this format in some way because this does fit that narrative that they've had, which is everybody and anybody can play. It's essentially right. open. Right, and I'm going to do one of those rare things that I never do is kind of glue some of the things we've we've Wait. said together. Oh, you mean I don't have to run yeah. around and herd the cats? No, no, no. You don't have to, you don't have to herd me this time. But Okay, so a, a couple of points here is, one, there's a ton of Fortnite being played, a ton of different formats. We've talked about the fact that uh, burnout is definitely a possibility, but then you throw in the fact that a lot of these esports uh, teams have backed tons of players for this like shotgun effect at a chance to win that hundred million dollars. Which initially it was said by Epic that we don't want teams involved. Yep. Well, teams essentially found a way around it, which is like, well, I'm just going to throw ten people at this top one hundred, and I've got a really good chance at least walking away with more than it costs to pay for ten people. Right, because the definition of a team being involved doesn't seem to be defined to the point where you can't just like this is no different than a streamer, right? Like you work for Cloud Nine as a Fortnite streamer that can now compete in these competitions openly and win us money. Right, and so I think when Epic really said at the beginning or meant to say. But uh, you know they only had they only had like 160 characters. Um, <laughs> Someone didn't tell them that the Twitter rules <laughs> right. didn't apply to blogs. Right, right. Is essentially that they didn't want to uh, create a, a league format with franchise teams. I think that's what they were trying to say. Yep. Uh, but ultimately, they've still just there's there's still just esports teams backing. Now, you know, granted, there are a ton of people who just are doing great they win they're not sponsored anything but what ends up happening is after they mildly ish perform you end up getting them basically jumping in uh, or getting bought up or picked up by like uh, oh, cloud TSM, nine cloud and their nine thousand right. teams yeah and so I, I think that's something that uh we'll also have to be cognizant of at the end of this like as these things go on like how saturated is this market going to be actually with esports teams and not the actual players? Now, the one thing that Epic has done to offset some of this is like when they were at PAX West, uh, they essentially did not allow any kind of pre-signups. So it was first come, first serve as to whoever walked in to to sign up for that tournament. It's going to make it like a sneaker release and all the Cloud9 people like sit out in a freaking tent the night before. So yeah, we uh, we I think we talked about this on a previous show where there were people actually... Um, from like Cloud9, TSM, Liquid, I think even as well, 100 Thieves, that were in line at 8 p.m. the night be- night before, almost like 12 you know, to 14 hours beforehand. You don't, you beforehand. don't paid if you don't get in. Right? And that's one of the things. Like, they got paid to go there, and they were basically your job is, okay, you have to guarantee that you at least get in here. You're like the guy getting me that Jordans. You just like get there, sit at the front of the line, and uh, make that bank. I wonder if you could just pay to take have someone like hold your spot. That would have been like way cooler. Like, I mean, that's what be- we do for sneakers. So why wouldn't you do the same thing? Like- I don't do it for sneakers because I don't have like 100 of them. Nor do I have a hundred of these Funko, Funko Pops. Pops. The Funko Pops made it back in. You can task grab with that shit. Did you know that? 
I don't. I don't. You can so, sometimes I like to somebody. do things myself. Sometimes, but not me. And you can task rabbit somebody to wait in line for you. And not only that's not an unofficial use. There is literally a segment in TaskRabbit to pick for line waiters. Well, there you go. The future of esports is actually a line waiting service. Yeah, now. Cloud Nine, hook it up. Like that's what the investment is for. Maybe, They're maybe they have an algorithm for for how to get first in line at Fortnite tournament. There you go, there you go. So let's look at the inverse of this, um, because I know you've been gearing up over there, cracking the knuckles and doing his stretches. My T-pose. Your T-pose. I'm doing mountain. Hearthstone's in-game tournaments are on hold, so we knew that. Um, we tra- The Venture Beat folks, God bless this journalist, he really, really tried to get any sort of information out of blizzard as to why they decided to shelve the tournament functionality but i think this tournament functionality that we knew a couple of weeks ago had been put on the back burner indefinitely which is blizzard code word for it's going to go the way of the dance studio is extra important when you also take away the ability or make it very very hard for people to run their own tournaments so then it just becomes literally all you can do is have these typical sometimes poorly run blizzard tournaments and you can't spin up your own version of these in game because there's no in-game system it's just a very big contrast to what we just talked about with epic yeah i think what the the was it venture beat is that what it was from yep okay i think what the venture beat uh writer may uh well needed to do at the beginning of this was to soften that guy up with a uh a drink or two a, a lavender smoke and leather <laughs> candle Maybe then he would have just, like, you know... And you just slide in on the DL and, like, hey, tell me about those in-game tournaments. And then he's just, like, (laughs) spoof-talked. But that that aside, uh, yeah, I I think what I don't like about this response is that not only is it repeatedly, essentially, I I don't want to say dodging the question, right? Um, It is not giving a, a very valid answer that has been backed up historically in any way shape or form which is oh we were listening to the community and the community just wanted too much from it so we decided to shelve it now that's that's light. like look at this last round of nerfs the community has been screaming hey druids need nerf this needs nerf this needs nerf and they go through and they don't touch druids they nerf mana worm which granted yeah did need one but they didn't just nerf it they like killed everything they went through and Part just like laser sights and just burn through any of those cards. But, you know, I understand that maybe Giggling Inventor was one of the main reasons for spreading plague to be common in the meta, whatever. And so maybe there will be a secondary effect to that. Um, but what I don't think is that they actively listened to the community to the standpoint of where what they were saying beforehand is like, they, they set the precedent of it's going to be a, a very early beta. It may only have one format. You may not be able to do anything like that is what they said. And now they're saying, like, oh, because we said that and we never say that, everybody's expectations got super blown and uh, up and out of proportion, so we don't want to drop it. And I'm calling shenanigans on it. <laughs> calling I'm shenanigans. Calling shenanigans. The 50s. Because call. what has started to happen now, in, in uh, around the time of, uh, I would say, like, maybe August, September, and I think I'd mentioned it before on a couple of shows, I started getting, uh, I was talking to some tournament organizers, and they were saying, yeah, uh, starting next year, we may have to start paying Blizzard to continue doing our tournament because of licensing fees, and they're wanting to possibly even take Hearthstone more in-house. Yep. And now what has happened today is people are getting notified, hey, you can't have this going on, or you can't have this, and I'll let you talk about that in just a second. But my thought is, is 
that the, the licensing thing going on uh, is one of the main reasons why the tournament stuff isn't actually wasn't actually launched because they have Ooh, it, conspiracy theories. I you know. I think. Like, I think they. I think the pressure came from inside. Like, hey, if you're going to organize tournaments, we need to be able to license them in some way, shape, or form. Don't so make people it can easier it. for people to circumvent right. the licensing system. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I got so excited over there. Yeah, sorry, man. I'm stepping on pedals. I'm doing all <laughs> kinds of things. My apologies. You're just like T pose. Calm down. There you go. There you go. Let but that, that's my angle. I, th- I think the the pressure for the licensing portion. Uh, of tournaments and how they want to try and handle them in house. This uh, this went against it, and because I think pressure no came reason, from uh, higher up. This is not. You know, I, I made a, a silly reference. I'm actually going to use it here for a moment. So the, the dance studio from Warcraft is like the thing that people are always like. You know, where it's it's like one step away from where's my pony, and that was very different because that was something they were trying to design that the fun of it didn't come out right. It's like oh, we can't actually do it the way we wanted to. There's technical limitations as to why we can't do it, or et cetera. This is not the case. This is just an iterative development problem. There is no reason why you couldn't have just dropped functionality to right. get it out. Yes, it wasn't everything everybody wanted. You launched the damn game without mobile support, which in retrospect looks silly and crazy, but that's how you managed to get the game out, get it into people's hands, let them play it, add mobile later. Why couldn't you have just started out with the tournament system that Ben Bro described years ago, put it into the game, and then go and add your draft and your cube or whatever other versions of the game you want to add. There's nothing wrong with that to say, well, we can't give you everything so you don't get anything. Since when is Blizzard given a flying crap what we think about what they should deliver to us? They tell us what we want, not what we don't tell them what we want. And now they're hiding behind that. Now, do I believe it is because of the licensing thing? I think it certainly has to play into it to a certain degree. In some way. They've teed this up for a while. So this was added to the EULA back in 2017 when they updated it for all of their games. This is not just a Hearthstone issue. They even will want you to license tournaments based on prize pools if you are doing a Warcraft 3 tournament, for Christ's sake. Like, they definitely have incentive to go and do this and say... We don't want you to self-organize tournaments, so why are we going to put it in the game to do it so you have to go and do the thing? And we have talked in the past many, many times on this show about running tournaments is how you make monies in esports, right? It's not starting organizations. It's not going to be an esports player. Run the tournaments because that's where all the money funnels into. And so Blizzard knows that. And they look at and see what they do with Hearthstone. They look at they see what they do with Heroes and Overwatch. And they have put created a system that has forced it. So you get this unfortunate situation where instead of just letting it naturally flow into the game like Epic is doing and still controlling it through other means, they have decided to not make it easier on you because they are really, really worried about people sidestepping this and just saying, well, your game allows us to do it, so I went and did it, and you can't prove that that prize money came from that thing. Yeah, now I do have to play somewhat of a devil's advocate here in the sense that I, I under well no no so my my gripe has was around the 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 well, the bullshit reason as to why they aren't continuing with the tournament mode, um, which was oh the expectations were too high, um, but I think underlying that there were there was some play around this licensing stuff going on. However, I do understand why they're licensing. Now, if you think about it. If you're running a tournament and you're able to say Amazon goes out or here, we'll just say Geico. We'll use Geico for an example at PAX. Say it was running its own tournament or like a DreamHack was running a tournament. They're essentially taking an entry fee to get into that tournament 
and they're making money from sponsorship and everything else on that. What does Blizzard get out of that? Nothing. It's their IP. They made the game. Yep. They get zero from it. Now, if if they're making over a certain amount of money, Blizzard wants a cut of it. I think in terms of like maybe the Geico thing, that's a little off because Geico is just using it to promote their brand, essentially. They're not getting co-sponsored really with it. Right. Um, they are in some way, shape, or form. But their goal isn't really to compete against Hearthstone Esports in any real way, shape, or form. Well, it's form. not even to compete in Hearthstone Esports. It's really to promote their brand, and they're right. doing it in, in, in conjunction uh, with a Hearthstone tournament. However, Blizzard also hasn't done anything that I can remember since the launch of Hearthstone at Apex. So if anything, Geico is helping them by promoting them to 70,000 gamers. I mean, for uh, years, Blizzard didn't even bother to go to PAX, period, let alone run right. anything. Right. And so I don't see a problem with, uh, w- with that. Now, if you go to say, like, oh, I love Seat Story Cup, I like, love to take, take TV, and I think they're going to be directly affected by this because they get sponsored to run an event. But what they do is they take that sponsorship money and they feed it back in some way, shape, or form in prize money and, and winnings into players, into a, a market that has already has historically struggled to to keep professional players consistently. One, yep. through tournament winnings, because there's not a ton of tournaments outside of the Blizzard stuff. And, it, and it's hard to consistently win. Though. And it's hard to consistently win. So now you're stripping that away. Now, to be fair, I've heard that it's not difficult to get a license for under 10000 which is their benchmark. Yeah, they just, I saw people sometimes getting back to them in like hours. Right. So it's they just basically want to know what's going on. Um, and anything else above that, then they want to work a deal with you. I have heard as much as for, uh, as much as like six figure deals, you, you need to pay them half a million dollars to $250,000 to a hundred thousand, depending on where you're doing it, why you're doing it and how much you're getting from it from a sponsorship standpoint. I get why they're doing it. I can I can back that in some way, shape, or form. If somebody went and monetized this podcast and made a million dollars off of it, and we saw nothing of it, I want to wonder how. Yeah. Like, and, and <laughs> yeah, like, please tell us. We have we have not figured that puzzle out yet. But really, like, essentially, we you know we did it. We made it. So yeah. I agree with them in that aspect. No, and there's nothing wrong with them protecting their IP. I just think that the fact that it's impacting the average Joe who would probably just jump in and start a tournament with friends or whatever is, is the thing that kind of sucks about it. It's like, it's definitely the extreme opposite of what we've seen from Epic and to do it under the guise of trying to protect our expectations is silly. Like they have overswung. I mean, Diablo is a perfect example real quick. Like Diablo back when it was originally announced had all this PVP arena. We never saw it. Uh, they're currently even starting to manage expectations with the uh, Diablo announcements for BlizzCon 2018, where they're saying, yeah, we know you're super hyped. We're not going to announce everything that you might think we're going to announce. They've never had a problem disappointing us before or getting half done things out there <laughs> or whatever. So I'm not trying to be mean. It's true. Like, So if you would have come out with not everything we needed for tournament mode, we still would have been happy to have something as opposed to absolutely nothing and never get it again. If they based what they did off of the the expectations of the community, Overwatch League would have never come out because yep. they announced it like a year early and the expectations were way, way, way high and they still did it anyways because it made money. Yep. Get That's over right. yourself, Blizzard. Yep. Get over yourself. Wrapping things up, we're going to talk a little Call of Duty. So this past week, Call of Duty Black Ops 4 
came out, I believe it was Thursday of last week, and it took all of 24 hours before the eSports to kick off, <laughs> before people started testing the waters, both of the existing game modes, some of the new game modes, the most prominent of those game modes being Blackout. So we were down in Atlanta this past weekend for the COD Nation Endowment Charity Tournament that E-League ran, and it was just very interesting from a couple regards. One, to get to see the game and see the changes that have been made, and this is a game that has been very well received from a critical standpoint, well received by the players who got to play with the game during the beta, and specifically this blackout mode. And as of today, I believe, uh, Call of Duty has now surpassed Fortnite for the week in hours viewed and or sorry, hours viewed on Twitch. So it is very interesting to me that it is certainly, at least for the moment, found its light in the sun. Now, this would not be the first battle royale type game to temporarily surpass your your uh, player knowns battlegrounds and your Fortnites of the world. But let's first start with the game itself, what we saw at E-League. Um, they had a very interesting take on Blackout Mode that it was kind of, you know, necessity is the mother of invention, and they had only a couple of days to put it together, but it was a very intriguing take on it that I don't think we have seen in this exact form for any of the other Battle Royale games. No, and it's actually a form that I think works extremely well, and it, it got me thinking about uh, maybe this is the, the format and way uh, we should actually view battle royale games, right? So essentially, what they did is they had uh, each each team uh, that was in competing, which usually had like four or five players, um, uh, like a streamer and, and and or not streamer, a caster and and actual pro players. Uh, they took those pro players and casters, whatever, made them into um, their own groups, threw them in to to play, and they only followed uh, that group through uh, on a live server through essentially uh, the blackout mode or the blackout uh, competition. So it was them versus a public server of people. And then they also fired off another group uh, of players shortly after that did the same thing. So what they did is they kind of jumped between the two different groups uh, and and they uh, gained points based on how many kills they got and where they ended up. Now, that's the most basic math there is yet yet to be done when it comes to this kind of uh, format because when you get into PUBG, like the PUBG Invitationals, any of the stuff that is done like IEM, nobody even knew how the points were made up, and they were like, "Yeah, anybody in the top eleven, uh, depending on how this match goes, maybe like top seventeen could just win." The Drew Carey used to host. What was that thing where like everything's made up and the points don't matter? Yeah, pretty much is what it felt like. Uh, even though you could win essentially like half of the rounds the day before, the next day you could lose it in the very last round if you maybe only got like top ten. It's like how is this even close? But I thought that that format worked really really well mm-hmm. except for when the fact that two teams loaded into the same yes, match and yes. killed each other but if you think about <laughs> it that is a way that you can get a narrative throughout the entirety of one session that's the hard thing that uh pub and even fortnite have had trouble dealing with is how do you take 100 people dropped in a zone and get any kind of narrative until you get down to the top 10 yeah it's like oh they're sitting here oh those guys are sitting there doing a whole lot of nothing they're doing a whole lot of nothing it, it's a very, very slow build. It's also really, really hard when something interesting does happen for the observers to keep up with what is going on. But if your narrative is built solely around 
a player or a set of players, and this is similar to what we saw. It's a different take, but it, it solves the problem in a similar way to what those bounty events that uh, Ninja was going out right. and doing when he did it in Vegas and Chicago, where like we just focus on Ninja. And the stories will build around Ninja. It's very much what we did here. And it actually made some really good, hilarious moments. I don't want to spoil them all for those of you who are going to watch it on television when it comes up on TBS. But it's very interesting to me that they were able to find a lot of interesting moments with just those four focal points. Instead of having 100 focal points, focus on these four players that are currently playing at the time on separate servers. you got more chance of diversity of things happening. Uh, yeah, there's some hiccups, but you could easily get around. Like they were kind of doing it ad hoc on the console. I imagine on PC or with more some more official access, you could make sure that like teams were not getting dumped in the same lobby. Um, it also brings up the very cool and interesting aspect about battle royale that Epic keeps trying to push forward with Fortnite, which is the openness of it all, and it gives you a chance in a like a weird reality TV kind of way to make a star. Right? You can take somebody who is not part of the tournament. That just happens to be on the server, and they go and they kill ninja in some like crazy way, right? Right. Like that is an interesting thing you can do with this format the E League presented because they are playing on live servers with a bunch of randos. Now, the one thing you also have to look at is when you're playing on a public server, you don't have an observer. So they were going from the perspective of the player, which yep. I think people can generally relate a lot more to. Mm-hmm. And uh and if anything, it, the one downside to that is you can't pull back the camera and get uh, an ex- get an idea of where they are. So if you've played the game enough, you kind of understand where they are. So I don't know how that works from if I'm sitting at a bar. I, the the general test that we always say is like I'm sitting at a bar that this esport is going on on TV. Can I understand with no sound on? And I don't know if people will get the context or the awareness of why they're shooting at someone or where they are on yep. a map. Um, so I think there's a lot to play there in that in that standpoint. Um, but I think the format just it just feels it, it felt I was way more into it than I am uh, from from the from the time they dropped right yep. uh, throughout because it kept me engaged um, because I'm, I'm getting to see them gear up I'm getting to see where they're going and then when there's kind of that like kind of dull like okay they're on foot and they're just running it's a running simulator you switch over to group two and they might be in a firefight they might be doing something else you just yep. you basically watch the action on both sides and you just flip to whoever is doing what and you give some context around it. A little harder, I think, maybe to cast it, but no more difficult than trying to cast, you know, 20 groups of people or 18 groups of people, however it may be. Right. If, you're okay, with, if you're okay with just telling that story of those four players or those eight players or whatever whatever the setup is, it's always going to be easier for them to manage the stories around those four players than it is going to be to manage the stories around hundreds and hundreds of players. And I think that is worth whatever trade-offs you might get when, you know... With the fact that you're not, you know, putting a hundred people in a room and they're all professional players, right? Oftentimes, the skill part isn't going to come in in like eighty-five of those deaths, right? Like it's just going to be dumb stuff you see on a public server, even with pro players. I, I landed on the roof of somebody else. They got a gun. I didn't. I'm dead. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Like you know that that's just not interesting when you're trying to do it from this perspective. So I think what will be nice to see what E League does is all of this was done on a very long stream that is going to be cut up into three post-produced shows starting on the 26th on TBS at 11 p.m. Eastern. And seeing how they build that narrative in a post-produced style, you have been critical in the past, I believe H1Z1 being the most obvious one, with overdoing it on these post-produced shows that they build out of these events. And it'll be very interesting to see what E-League does with their version of this. Obviously, there's not just the blackout modes. They played a bunch of the different multiplayer modes as well. But just in general, what they're going to take, you know, a post-produced version of this and what they're going to choose to focus on. Well, my gripe was, so with this, this is a live event that's being cut down 
and we're getting to see it in post essentially on TV. And we were there. It was definitely raw. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. No, no. And I'm actually curious as to how they're going to make it because there's a lot of things being shouted across the room. It was a very relaxed event. It was yes. a lot of people who know each other. A lot of people just kind of, you know, just, I don't know, poking each other in the ribs kind of thing. You know, just jabbing Switching them, right? casters after they played and, you know, a lot of crosstalk going on. They were yeah. not sure how it got picked up from a television perspective. Right. So I think that's going to be the challenge. The thing that I, so I, I, I'm eager to see how it comes out uh, not just because e-league loves us now and it recognizes us but just I'm, i want to see how it plays out but the reason why i didn't like the h1z1 stuff was because that was a fully produced uh, event that was not done live and they tried to post-produce it like it was on a live event and it felt super canned super ridiculous it was like the kardashians meet h1z1 it was yeah it was pretty pretty awful all we needed was like a teacup pig and it would be all set i don't I don't know. Okay, I think are, now I know what you're talking about. Are you proud of yourself about. for not getting the reference? Or? Well, no. I, it took me a second to figure out what you were talking about. I don't know what it is in terms of Kardashians, but just in general, I was like, is that just a tiny pig? Well, so, we were not going to get into the T. I got back into T-Pose and Fortnite thing, and so, <laughs> and sorry. put it all together with the pig. So, overall, I think the, the takeaways here from Black Ops 4's release are... It has some potential from an esports perspective. Obviously, Call of Duty in general has been an esport for a while. I'm going to be interested to see a few things. One, how Black Mode gets integrated. Also, what this is going to look like if the CWL rumors end up being true from a franchising perspective. Clearly, the game at this point has some legs to it. We will see if that is the case a month from now, three months from now, because yeah. that's what really matters. Or is everyone going to slide back into the one two punch of Fortnite and PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds? We will see. But. A lot of that, in my opinion, is going to steer on how well-received things are and how maintained things are on the PC side of things because that is really what is going to keep those long-term streamers going. That tends to always be the case outside of the consolers. Um, E-League was up against a bunch of tough competition. There were a lot of popular people that were playing this game on launch weekend. You had Dr. Disrespect, you had Ninja, you had Shroud, and their streams were pulling in some big numbers. So an overall, a very good weekend for the Call of Duty team in general from the release standpoint, from the reviews that were coming out, as well as how these events went off. There was the COD Nation were doing things throughout the entire weekend that E-League was a part of. So overall, I'm, I'm impressed. I have, you know, I made the joke to my friend. I can't remember the last time I played a Call of Duty game. And this has me playing it. I definitely like the blackout mode. Those helicopters are awesome. <laughs> like, wait, wait. You have friends? I you talk well, to? Yeah, you. Me. We uh, both play Call of uh, Duty. Oh, uh, okay. For the first time in a while. Yeah, it is. That is the entire But you just said, size. like, I was talking to a friend about it. You were talking to me. I'm, like, right across from you. It sounds more interesting if it looks like I have more than just you as a friend, okay? See, that's... What, I was Why just, you gotta put me on blast? I was just fact-checking this podcast. <laughs> what, never do that. Lesson for you new listeners. Don't ever do that. So you, you've, there's been takeaways. There's been lessons in this one. We are we are an educational. Uh, I don't know where I'm going with that. <laughs> you can see the look on Seven's face right now. So as I mentioned before, definitely check out the Call of Duty tournament of E League. Cod Nation will be starting on TBS. 10.26 at 11 p.m. Eastern. You'll be able to check that out on the 2nd of November, and the third episode will be on the 9th of November. So not bad for my first ad-lib E-League official read. <laughs> Huzzah. Huzzah. Yeah, so that's it. The main voyage has uh, come to a close. 
to, to to be clear, we were talking about we we kind of sort of recorded a show on Sunday night, and you said maiden voyage in the opening sentence. I was like so three nervous times. about the rebrand that when I wrote the script for the opening, I used maiden voyage three times in three back to back sentences, and was completely unaware that I had done it. Yeah, and I had to sit across from you and be like, "What just happened?" I don't. <laughs> a nautical a nautical podcast here uh, at the e-league report so if you'd like to catch some of that awesomeness um there'll be no more maiden voyages though you can catch our show every monday and thursday on itunes or your favorite podcast app just head over to e for all the ways to listen and subscribe and while you're over there on itunes tell us what you think of the show by leaving us a review uh, those juice them algorithms and help people discover the show and that is good because then e-league does not regret claiming us as their own you can find us on all the social channels, Twitter and Instagram, at E-League Podcast. Or if you want to troll us more directly, you can join us at our Discord by going to discord.eleaguereport.com. And if that's not enough esports content for you, be sure to check out Esports Daily with myself, Seven, and our producer, Jewel Scott, for the day's top headlines. That's available as an Amazon Echo Flash Briefing, as well as regular old podcast form. If you're just like an old school person that doesn't like talk to speakers and hope that the 50% chance the lights turn on. I, I'm... Don't okay. make a Dolly Parton comment. No Dolly Parton comment. I can't. You turned off the echo. You got smart. I got smart. I muted the echo before the show. So that's going to do it for this week. We will be back once again on Monday with the next episode of The Evening.